Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. display at home was showing some pictures from three years ago and Noah was sitting in the floor we were in the Marco building at the time and Noah was sitting in the floor as I read the book to all the kids and I was like wow Noah has gotten so so much bigger I actually took a picture of the picture so if you want to see it and then we took pictures afterwards because I wore my ugly cat jacket and uh, you wore your ugly sweater with um, whatever that guy, Patrick, yes, um, with that on there. And we had a good old time. <laughs> but, um, you know, Christmas Eve, I said this before, Christmas Eve wasn't always something that I did as a kid. I guess I don't remember Christmas Eve. I don't, Grandma. Like, you can tell me. But we didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't do it a whole lot. <laughs> but, um, you know, coming here, like, I have, uh, it's been definitely probably my highlight um, of Christmas is uh, doing Christmas Eve service. I really enjoy it. Coming together, worshiping God. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You can do that any day of the year, but I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of fun, like in the evening, at night. Y'all got your candles out there. It's just kind of fun. <laughs> it's just different. Um, so I, I have a message that I want to preach tonight. We're going to take communion afterwards. And uh, one announcement is um, because we're having church tonight, we're not having church in the morning, um, so if you come here at 11, the door will be locked. If you have a key, you are certainly welcome to open it up and have church. I will not prohibit you from doing that. <laughs> if you don't have a key and you want to come to church tomorrow, let me know. I'll get you a key. You can listen to some music and worship God. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, if, if we didn't have church tonight, we'd probably have church tomorrow. It'd probably be different, but uh, we got together and we planned this uh, several months ago, a group of us, and this is how we ended up with Christmas Eve service this year, but I enjoy it, and I'm excited. We've been kind of in a series for a few minutes, for a few minutes, for a few Sundays, talking about all the things leading up to Christmas, the things that happen, finding purpose in our pain, finding, um, uh, finding that God is still calling us, and in our messed up life, God is still calling us, but tonight, my title is The Gift We Give. How many times have you come to Christmas Eve service, and it's always been about the birth of Jesus and the gift that was given to us. But I'm going to take you back, way, way back into Genesis. And I'm going to talk about the gift that we get to give. And so in this Christmas Eve night, we get to look at the beautiful gift that was given to us by the life of Jesus. But the gift of consecration, it was given to us. And we have the ability to consecrate our lives before God. So what does the word consecration even mean? 
It means that it's the action of making or declaring something sacred. Maybe you've declared that my relationship with God is sacred, that nothing else will come before it. Maybe you declare that, you know what, my, my body is a temple, and I am going to dedicate my entire life. Everything that I do is for the glory of God. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? From the very beginning, it was about relationship. And sin, our sin, took that relationship from him. It was because of our sin that there was a separation in relationship when we look at this, God had set Adam and Eve apart from the rest of creation. He had declared them as something sacred. He, had, he wanted to commune with them. He wanted to be with them. And the same thing is true to us. Sin separates us. So what is our gift? Well, as we go through this tonight, I want you to know that because of the birth of Jesus, it's not a surprise that you have an opportunity to draw deeper in your relationship with him. And so as we look at this, it was God's desire from the very beginning to have relationship with his people. When the birth of Jesus happened, it was because God had relationship, wanted to, he desired to have a relationship with his people on a personal level. And I heard some arguments, I've heard some, I've heard some people and they were making arguments about how like, well, you know, it's not very godly of God to, you know, come before man and to, uh, to, to be before man. Jesus declared that he was God when he, he said his, when he said that I am, I am the I am, like when he declared that he was I am, he was declaring that I am God. It's the conversation back with Moses. Who, who should I send? Tell them the I am has sent you. And Jesus comes and said, before he was, I am. <laughs> and that's why they wanted to stone him. And so through all of this, and, and in this conversation, I heard this person who's like, well, it's not very godly of him. Like that just like is beneath him. I'm like, hold up, hold up. Either he is fully God or, and can do whatever he wants, or he's not God at all. I mean, like, if God can't do that, then I don't know. Like, I love the concept that my Savior came and saved me himself. Because of my sin, my, my separation, the things that I had done had caused a division in my relationship. But because of his death, I have the ability to have relationships. So maybe the question going through your mind is, yeah, this doesn't really seem very Christmassy. It seems more like something you preach on an Easter. Hold with me for just a few moments. So the birth of Jesus wasn't a surprise because you're his people. He loves you. He cares about you. He was restoring communion with his creation. In Genesis, it was separated. He's no longer walking in the cool breeze with Adam and Eve and, you know, talking about the things of the day and talking about what's going on. But here we now see Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, comes to this earth. And he's here, ready to restore communion with, with the creation that was created. It says in John that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's a whole bunch more there, and I can't remember all of it. But anyways, <laughs> in that whole thing right there, like he was there from the foundations of the earth. He knew us as we were formed in the womb. God loved us. So our sin breaks our relationship with him. 
So let's talk about the atonement of our sins. Let's talk about the beauty of consecration. I got this object lesson for you all because I want you to know I'm talking about Christmas. Even though it sounds kind of Easter-y, <laughs> I got a manger scene. You can look at the manger scene outside. It just says joy. But, uh, and I think it has like Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And it's, and it's covered in snow. <laughs> you can't really see it. It's white. <laughs> but, but a typical manger scene has a, a bunch of components, right? Let's go through this. And let's look at these things. So while we were here, we talked about... We'll put this angel over there. I don't need the angel. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't need that one. But we talk about the wise men, right? We, we, we talked about the wise men. Here's a wise man. And, and I had this fun conversation. You know, the Bible doesn't, like, actually say there was three wise men. It just talks about three gifts, okay? And so, like, we've interpreted. Maybe there was one wise man. Maybe there's two wise men. Maybe there was three wise men and two of the guys got gifts. And the other guy was like, hey, why'd you leave me out? Like, stole that from Ashley. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. <laughs> and then we got the shepherds, guys, right? There was, there was some, some, some shepherders, sheep herders out there. Uh, I was going to say, is that Joseph? But I think that, that might be, oh, no, I didn't make him. Okay, you know what? Here's, a shep- here's another shepherd. I'm going to call this Joseph. He's got a sheep by him. Oh, wait, nope. Because Mary has to go a certain way. <laughs> There's a specific direction that Mary faces, and they're not double-sided. <laughs> then we got Joseph right here. Oh, look at that. They have halos. Of course, they've got to be special. You know, and here was a sheep. The cattle are lowing. You know, there was a sheep on the roof. We got another wise man, another shepherd. Okay. And now we got this, Jesus, right? Jesus is right there at the very center of the manger scene. And you know what? This is a good representation of how our life should be. Jesus at the center. When we consecrate our lives, we dedicate, I say, God, I dedicate my life. I want you to be the center of everything. But you know what? All of us fall short. The Bible says, for I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sometimes we do things like this. We'll put that over there. Jesus is in our life. He's still in our life, but he's a far distance from where he should be. Maybe, you know what? No one else is faulty. Maybe we replace Jesus with money. I'm not saying the money's wrong or anything like that, but in consecrating our lives to him, Jesus has got to be number one. He can't just be in our back pocket waiting for the, you know, something bad to happen and be like, oh, something bad happened and now I need Jesus. He should be the first thing that we go to. Maybe, maybe we replace it with other idols. That's a pretty cool car. I think it's a, you know, I was looking at it, it's a matchbox car. It's a, it's a, a Cadillac, um, what is that, fast one, whatever the Cadillac, you know, thing is. It's, it's the fast one, okay? Um, and it's, it's cool, right? Okay, we can, I got the car there, and it can become our God. You know what? It's okay to have a nice car. 
This one here, this just hit me. This is my family. Sometimes I can replace God with my family, with my dog, with my friends. I mean, Jesus is in my life somewhere. I can't always find him because everything else is clouding. In our world, there's so many other gods. I picked a tennis ball because I didn't want to offend anyone, okay? And so I'm about to hit it. Like, <laughs> you know, I watched the end of the Vikings game today because I can't watch a full game. And I watched that guy kick that for, uh, uh, Joseph, George, Greg Joseph, right? Pick his yeah. name right? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Jim's back there. <laughs> Not picking on you tonight, Jim, I promise. But <laughs> we can put sports, we can put our idols, everything in there, and that can be what we surround. Like, yeah, I want God in my life. But he's like back here behind one of the wires. We have our priorities and we have set ourselves aside for something else. Here's the thing. I can have family in my life. You know what? I can watch a game of football. I can have some money. I can have my car. I can have my cell phone. I can have social media. But the most important thing is is that Jesus is the center of my life. Now the manger scene is appropriate. Now it's right. If you take Jesus out of the manger scene, if you take Jesus out of your life, you are going to have to fight for everything. You're going to have to have more family. You're going to have to have more cars and more money and more sports because these are temporal. These things are temporary. These things are not going to last you. But Jesus Christ was the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. He is everything that I need. And so what about this Christmas Day? What about this Christmas Eve? What is something that I can give to God? They brought frankincense and myrrh and gold. I can't bring any of those. I can't afford those things. I can't afford gold. (laughs) I walked through Walmart yesterday. We were going, and I was picking up paper plates, and I was like, you know, I'm going to be good for the planet. I'm going to get actual paper plates. I picked up paper plates, and I looked at the price, $15 for 150 plates, and I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. And then I walked down just a few more steps, and there was good old styrofoam, 150 plates for $5. I was like, yeah, I can't afford to save the, the <laughs> I can't afford to save the world right now. It's too expensive. <laughs> it is, and I got styrofoam at home. (laughs) And that's my reasoning when I'm walking through Walmart. (laughs) Oh, Lord. It's okay to have things in our lives, but I got to keep Jesus the center of my life. And I'll be honest with you. I fail. I fall short. There are times that Jesus is so far. He's over there with that angel. And I'm just like, throwing him out of my life. I've been there. I've had him so far and everything else, and everything else in my life was just a wreck. My family was a wreck. My finances were a wreck. My desires and the things that I wanted were out of whack. You know what? I had, I've had a brand new car off the showroom floor. Dumbest decision of my life. That's just a waste of money. <laughs> and all of these things just messed me up. But when Jesus came back to the center. Throw me Jesus. I heard a preacher preach about Jesus. (laughs) And I found Jesus again. 
And he was back at the center and he started making my life right. Keep Jesus at the center of your life. It is what's going to change you in the next year. It's what's going to change your life. It's what's going to change your marriage, your relationships, your career, your desires. Everything is going to be found in Jesus. Not, not baby Jesus. Not nine pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus. But the crucified Jesus, the risen Jesus, your Lord and Savior, that's, that is what's going to change everything in your life. So when I consecrate my life, one of the most important things that I can do is bring Jesus to the center of my life. To say that, God, I am separated, that I am set aside for your service. Matthew 26, 26 through 29, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it. He gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup after, giving thanks. He gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink in new with you in my father's kingdom communion is not salvation it just because you 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 eat a little wafer and you drink a little bit of grape juice it does not save you but however communion is part of something that i get to partake in because of salvation i can have communion with my savior and i'm not even just talking about the little cup of juice i'm talking about a relationship something that is personal a, a, a conversation with jesus christ any time of the day you can call on him that is what true communion is this isn't the first time that people had gathered but a clue is offered here for christians in verse 29 People had been gathering together for this time for a, for a long time. Jesus wasn't doing something out of the norm. It was near Passover. But verse 29, it says, But I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So as we do this, as we take communion, we reflect on the life of Jesus. We reflect on what he's done for us. And, but but, but that's, that's not it. It's not just about the past. It's about looking forward to the day that we drink the new wine with him in our Father's kingdom. I, I, this, this is so beautiful in, the, in what communion is for us. It's, it's, not, it's not this just juice and, and wafer, but rather it is a relationship with God. That is what communion was. Because from the very beginning in Genesis, when the communion had been broken with Adam and Eve, what God deeply wanted was his people to desire to have a relationship with him. So what do I give God on Christmas? I give myself. Because nothing else that I can do, there's nothing I can do. So let me explain a couple things in the beauty of communion. Paul writes in Corinthians in chapter 11, first he corrects some behavior in the church. Like, I feel like we need Paul to write some letters to the church today. Lord, you know, okay, I'm going I'm to, if you haven't seen the flying drummers, it's really cool, but I will never have flying drummers. <laughs> there was this, this other play I'm watching, and I, well, I wasn't watching it, but I like scrolling and I found it, and there's like this, this guy just 
guy's shirt's off dancing. And I'm like, how is this? How is this a play in church? <laughs> how does this have anything to do? Like, and they were singing this song. They rewrote it, you know, like. And I'm like, I don't think that has any business being rewritten for your purpose. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes in the church, we can get this idea of like grandeur, this idea that all of these things have to be perfect and, 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 and then that is. And we can set the church up as an idol. We can set preachers up as idols. We can set ministers up as idols. We can set positions in the church up as idols. We can do all of those things. But the reality is, is if I set that up and that becomes what I'm consecrated and separated and set aside for, then that's my relationship. That's surface level. Jesus has got to be the number one priority in my life. People will fail us. People will mess up your day, will mess up your plans. But Jesus is a constant. So in chapter 11, he, he corrects them for their divisions. And in verse 23, he restates the words of Jesus about communion. communion. And it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and, then he had, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So part of communion with God is the remembrance of what he's done. That's part of communion. It's not the whole thing, though. Listen to what Paul says in this very next scripture. It says, in the same way, also he took the cup after supper and said this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And in verse 26, here's that next clue. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Part of communion is looking forward to being with Christ again when he calls his people home. But it's about proclaiming the gospel. When I am in communion with God, I will proclaim the gospel. It's not about a cup. It wasn't about the cup and the juice and the wafer. It was about the relationship and the restoration of being able to have a relationship with our God. That is what the beauty of what Jesus did and everything that happened in the New Testament. It was all this boiling down to this very moment that I could say, God, I need a relationship with you. And that's all the communion you need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, we can do it in remembrance and we can take the juice and we can take the wafer, but don't put so much credit in it. Don't put so much strength in it. And remember that the communion was the cool of the day and letting God speak to Adam. That is the relationship that I want is that my Savior would speak to me. That my Savior, not that he would walk with me, but that I would walk with him. Remember, Adam left and he hid. He removed himself from God. And we can do that all the time. We can remove ourselves from the very presence of God. We can step aside and, and we can wonder what's going on in our relationship with him. And we can struggle and we can be afraid and worried. But we've got to know that as I follow him, as I pursue after him, there's going to be things that God calls us deeper. It's a beautiful thing. Sometimes you feel the presence of God. And then sometimes you just feel God nudging you. But you don't feel it like you used to. And, and then 
maybe you've got to recognize that nudge. What's my next step, God? Where do you want me to go? Where is the next thing that I'm going? Where help me to have that next, that next step of faith. That is communion with God. So next, Paul gives some instructions for communion. And this is the part that's beautiful because true communion requires us to set ourselves apart. Paul calls the church to review their lives in these scriptures. In a sense, he's like, if you're going to do this, like, you need to, like, examine yourself. Verse 27 says, so then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself from the cup, or I'm sorry, let let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. Now only you are the judge if you're in the position in your life where you should. And the thing is, is it says right here, let a person examine himself in this way. So examine yourself. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. Examine yourself but I can't withhold it from you. I would never withhold it from someone. But when you take communion in the actual, like, literal sense of the cup and the the bread, I want you to examine yourself because it's saying, God, I'm consecrating my life for you. Everything that I am. The whole purpose of this tonight and my prayer is that you would see that we need to have a deeper desire and a deeper communion with God. This is surface level. It's a real deep meaning. But this is the surface. This isn't everything to a relationship with God. It could be the start of a relationship You can say, you know what? I dedicate my life to God. I'm consecrating my life to him. Everything that I am, I'm set aside for a purpose. I'm sacred because of Jesus. Examine yourself tonight before we move forward and do this. Because before before consecration, I'm sorry, before communion, consecration comes. I must have my consecration before I can have communion. In 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23, it says, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. And defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. This is written to Sam. This was Samuel speaking to King Saul. And King Saul had got it in his mind. He got into a hurry, and, and he, God had given him specific instructions. Samuel spoke to him. The prophet of the day speaks to him, and, and he rejects the instructions and thinks that he has a better plan. When we think we have a better plan, we're saying, God, I got this. I don't need you. God, I'm just as good as you are. 
God, I may, you know, oh, man, this is going to fit so good. For anyone that watched football today or any sport that you watch, have you ever yelled out to the players? Like, why can't you see that? How did he miss that? Has anyone ever done that? Like, please tell me there's someone in here watching football and you're nice company and you got a 75-inch TV and you're watching your football game and you, like, have these cameras that have got, like, 30 different angles. You know how many angles he's got to see that ball or to see that throw that he's going to make? He's got two set of eyes that you got. <laughs> and what you can see, it's because you have a better vantage point. Now, if you could have a microphone and say, hey, throw it to your right and you're going to get it, you're going to get it to whoever the player is that you want to get the ball. If you could go ahead and just say that to his ears and he could hear it, all of a sudden he would be like, okay, I know that the, that the person that's got the better vision is pointing me in the right direction. Think about that. You're kind of like... You're kind of like sitting there in your TV. And you're like, man, if I could just call up Adam and tell him to get over here about 10 feet. <laughs> How could he miss that catch? He's got one. He's got one perception. But when you're up there and you're seeing all these cameras zoom around, you've got all of the. I mean, I don't understand how they do the replay. I'm like, wow, that is the part that amazes me in football. <laughs> I'm a new fan this year. Vikings are going to make it to the football, are going to make it to the Super Bowl. Okay, you can't clap for that. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay? Notice, I can talk about football. We can have fun and we can, we can watch a game. But if it becomes everything that I am, it has become idolatry and I've moved Jesus off of it. I got to refocus and get him back Okay, God, you're central in my life. I can still talk about it. I can still have fun. You know what? I don't understand everything about it, but those replays, man, so cool. I'm like, how'd you get that angle? Who was recording that? And he's like, oh, it's the guy like way up there, you know, that's got this super zoom lens. I'm like, my goodness, that's amazing. No wonder we're at home yelling, why'd you miss that? Because the guy's human. They can't see God's up here like, I got the best view. I can see from the beginning of time to the end of time. I think you want to listen to me. And we're like, no, God, I got this. I can tell right now by this perception that I've got. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it this way. And God's like, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Take your step. Like, just, oh, man, he fumbled. Oh, man, he messed it up. God's not getting up there and having pleasure in our mistakes, just like you don't have pleasure in the mistakes of your favorite teams, the, the mistakes of your family members, the mistakes uh, that you've made. You don't take pleasure in those things. You're upset about them. God feels the same way. He's like, why won't you listen to me? I've got it. I, I've got the perfect vision. I've got the perfect plan for you. Just listen for just a moment. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience to God is me consecrating my life to him. I'm almost done. We're about to take communion. And this Christmas, it's my deepest desire that we would examine our lives and that we would ask God, are we consecrated and set apart for your service? Or have I put some other things in my life that are before you? God, I'm going to need your help with this. Is there something else in my life that I have put before you 
before my relationship with you? Is there something, God, I need you to help me clean my life? Because there's choices that we each have to make. There's decisions that we have to make. And if you want to have deep communion with God, if you want to have a deeper relationship with God, you're going to have to consecrate your life and say, God, I'm, st- I'm going to make some changes. I'm setting some things apart. And one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to repent. And I hope, I hope and pray that when you go home tonight, you'll be like, that preacher was crazy. I never heard a Christmas message like that. I pray to God that you felt his conviction tonight as I felt his conviction as I was preparing it because I felt it that Christmas is not just about the gift that was given to us through the life of Jesus and his death and his resurrection again, but it is the opportunity that I can give back to him, that I can present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. It's my reasonable service. Romans 12, uh, 1 says that it's my reasonable service. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is that good and pleasing and perfect will of God. I help me to discern your voice and not my voice. So I'll figure out how I'm going to do this real quick. Before I even pass this out, I want us to just take a moment. You can bow your heads. And I want us to pray. I don't want you to repeat after me. I don't want you to repeat after your neighbor. I want you to have a conversation with God. It can be quietly. It can be loud. It can be, it can be in your breath. It can be in your head. You don't have to say it out loud. But repentance. God, if there's something in my life, I'm sorry. I repent of that. God, help me to turn away. God, there may be some things that I've looked at, some some things that I've thought about, some actions that I've done, God, that I shouldn't. And I ask that you would help me to examine my life right now. That you would help me to find your will for my life. To help me to consecrate my life to you. Take a few moments and let's just God, that your spirit would lead and guide me. That you would touch each and every one of us. God, I know I've made mistakes. I know I've done things I shouldn't. I've looked at things I shouldn't. I've aspired to be things I shouldn't. I've loved things I shouldn't. I've sinned. I've fallen short of you. And I ask that you help me to examine my life and help me help guide me into a deeper consecration to you. As a church, I want us to have communion with God. Not in the form of a cup that we pass out, but in a daily relationship that you commune with your God. That you commune with him and you tell him, I love you. I thank you for being here. God, I'm having a bad day today, but God, I thank you that you made me, that I have breath in my lungs. That's true communion. So as these, I need someone to volunteer to help me 
pass these out real quick. Oh, here we go. As Joe passes those communion cups out, take one. Maybe you're sitting here tonight, you're like, but you just told me if I'm unworthy, I shouldn't take it. Take the cup. You just examined your life. You repented. Paul said, let them. So you did what you were supposed to do. The very next thing that we're going to do is when we take this following the communion, I want us to worship God. And so I'm going to have the singers come here in just a moment. And they're going to sing another song. And I'm going to open these this altar up. If you want to come to the front, you can. Matthew. Well, while they're passing that out, one of the musicians is singing. Why don't you guys go ahead and come on? If you're wondering how to use this cup, the bread is on the bottom and the juice is on the top. If you have a hard time opening it, let your neighbor know. But I made sure I got um, easier ones to open up than I had in the past. And, and these, uh, these are gluten-free, too, if you're worried about gluten-free. You want to open up the bread and get it ready. So as I read these scriptures, we'll take the bread and we'll do the juice. We'll do it together. But this is just an awesome moment, I think, for a church. It's an opportunity that we can draw closer to our Savior. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about anything else. God, I'm setting myself apart. So maybe this is different than any communion you've ever taken. But let this be a symbol that, God, I'm setting myself apart for your service. God, I'm setting myself apart because I want to commune with you. All right, in Matthew 26, 26 through 29, it says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Go ahead and take the bread. Get your juice ready. And then in verse 27, it says, Then he took the cup, and after giving thanks, there was a little bit of a break after their bread. I bet it was better than ours. They gave thanks, and he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Go ahead and drink that cup right now. And in verse 29, it says, but I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine. From now on until that day, when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. He never took from the cup again after this. That was the last time he did it. But he was looking forward to the day that he would call his people home again. To me, that calls me to desire a deeper relationship with him. So right now, I'm going to ask you, 
we just did this. Can we give thanks to God for everything that he's done? But let's also give thanks to him for what he is going to do. God, we thank you for everything, God, that you've done in our lives. God, we thank you for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy, God. God, I pray that you would move in every heart and every life, God, that you would move tonight, God, that you would touch us. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you. Hallelujah. As this song plays, if you'd like to come up to the front and you'd like to pray, I'd love to pray with you. Don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. But you can also do it right there where you're seated. You can just worship Him.
Jesus. He's Christ the Lord, the first, the last, the Alpha and Omega. His name shall be Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Everything that I need is Jesus Christ. Get him to the center of your life. Make him number one priority as you go forward. You may have made mistakes in the past. I have, and that's okay. Because tomorrow is a new day. It may be night right now, but the joy comes in the morning. Just let it know when it's nighttime that daytime is coming. When you're weeping, that you're going to reap tears of joy in a few moments. Let it be a moment of remembrance that things that you're going through now, God is going to do a great thing and a work in you and through you. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise one more time? God, we worship you. We thank you, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Such an amazing presence of God in this place tonight. God, we worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We may not have experienced angels singing. We may not have experienced them saying, hey, go here. But everything that I have today is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen. God, I thank you. I thank you for what you did. But God, I thank you for more. What you're going to do. What you're going to do in my life. Make it personal. You know the things that he's been working and calling you to. God, I thank you for those things. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. For what you're doing in my world. God, I thank you that you're calling us still, God. That your calling never ceased. We love you. We thank you. God, I worship you. Hallelujah. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. God, we worship you. Hallelujah. In these moments, it is vital that we respond. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you would come to this place. Imperfect people. Messed up, God. But you love us anyway. This is what communion is right here. God, I'm in the very presence of my Savior. I thank you, you're struggling it's a wonderful name you can call that name anytime oh God I thank you I worship you nothing compares to
we go. Let's just lift our hands and just say, God, I need you. God, I thank you. I worship you. Draw us closer, God. Make us who you want us to be. Continue to shape us and mold us, God. We thank you. Go with us, God. You know all those traveling, all those that are out, God. I pray that you would, your hand of protection would be upon us. God, as we travel home, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask someone just to flip the light switch. I have them dimmed all the way, so like it shouldn't be too burn out your retinas. But greet someone before you leave. Tell someone hello. Meet someone you haven't met before. Give them a high five, something. And if you have any questions, please, I love to answer any questions I can. Can't answer them all, though.